Welcome to Last Believer, a podcast about good riddance. Each week, me, Josh Lindley, he, him, and my pal, Dan Forcier, also a he, him, sit here and we talk to each other about how we feel about the output of Santa Cruz hardcore punk band, Good Riddance. We pick three songs each week. This week, those three songs are Undefeated from the Phenomenon of Craving, a credit to his gender from A Comprehensive Guide to Modern Rebellion, and also Regret from my republic that's what we're doing this week dan if people want to follow along and get some more insight as to where we're coming from how do they do that excellent question and i do encourage everyone to reach out to us because we've been getting some really fun and funny uh correspondence and that's probably my favorite part of this project so to get in on all that fun uh if you're using instagram uh you can find us at last believer pod slide into the dms or make funny yet not offensive comments on the post that would be great uh or if it's something a little bit more long form uh last believer pod at gmail.com uh just shoot us an email and one of us will uh get involved in a conversation with you <laughs> basically uh we also have a patreon set up and uh we added something anyone that has been listening since last week will know that we cut a part of our conversation with chris cresswell out and that is now up on our patreon is it about good riddance no is it three guys laughing at each other about some flatliner stuff yes so if you liked what you heard last week on the episode with chris who is obviously always charming uh for sure there is a little extra on our patreon if you want to check that out Dan, what's the URL for that? Because we are cross-platform, uh, it is patreon.com slash lastbelieverpod. Aces. And while you're looking around online, we have playlists set up on both Apple Music and Spotify so that you can sort of keep up with sort of what we're sort of talking about each week. As I mentioned, this week, we're talking about our second song from The Phenomenon of Craving, even though there are only six songs, I think it's amazing that we made it 45 episodes yeah. in before we're getting to the second song from it. The song Undefeated is the last song on the Phenomena Craving. This is Luke and Chuck and Russ and Dave Ron from Lagwagon and RKL and Me First and the Gimme Gimmies. Dan, what did you think of the song Undefeated? Well, what I think is you kind of threw me for a loop that we didn't have a little uh, anything else you want to talk about before we jump no, in. No, we'll talk about it later. Whatever, yeah, man. Because you're just so loosey goosey, you know, with your little bourbon tasting this this evening. So it was cognac. Oh, my bad. My bad. So more Two of a very brandy. different spirits. Yes. Well, we digress. We'll talk about it later then, I suppose. Undefeated. The song undefeated. Yeah. <laughs> I really should have checked the volume on my computer uh, when I threw this one on. Uh, the the volume just level was just, or the music level or on my computer was just way higher than the game I was watching on. Uh, mm. Fuck, that sentence doesn't make sense. No, I know. I was what wa- I was watching a game previously, and uh, when I turned off said football game, and um, that's the music volume on the old spot, ye old Spotify was way higher, and it was just like that very high pitched start just like pierced my ears. Um, Yeah. yeah. And like the song basically, because it just jumps in right away with no waste of time with that very high pitched ripage. I was like, okay, all right. We're, we're in for a, we're in for a a, a champagne jam, if you will, or won't, whatever. Uh, (laughs) I do love this kind of melodic hardcore and I'm surprised I wasn't more into this when it came out. 
probably because I didn't even give it too much of a chance or a second look, but this is like right in the alley of what I was listening to in that time. Um, that goes for both the music and the lyrics, you know, cause this is a very, very dark song as well. Mm. When you dive yeah. into it. Um, I feel like this one might be one of the more personal ones that we've covered. I know that, you know, a lot of the songs are clearly very personal. Uh, and this one just seems more direct. Uh, it seems less poetic yet still painting a very vivid picture. And I know you said something similar recently about a song, but I found this was even more like to the point, straightforward, why shit sucks sometimes. Uh, yeah. And I don't want to be repeating myself when it comes to mental health stuff. Like if anyone's been listening to this project, you probably know just as much as my, uh, my doctor. But uh, reading this, like the lyrics of the song was just like heartbreaking from a very relatable stance. Yeah, and also speaking of lyrics, how the fuck does he fit so many words in a song that's under two minutes? It is the, the lyric remarkable sheet is long. This song, yeah, I was blown away, and especially because there's that intro, so he's not singing right from the get go, and there are, there are quite a few words. Uh, yeah, I don't know, straightforward emotional hardcore song. I'm not mad at this at all. Uh, it's so straightforward that doesn't really inspire or like act as a muse for me to pull more from it, like more tangents, because it's just so straightforward. But I'm sure after like 10 or 12 more listens, it'll probably trigger something. I feel like what makes this song special is that it seems like it's nothing special. Right, but I don't want to say nothing special because I actually do enjoy it, right? Like It it seems like it's Right, sure, sure. Yeah. So after I listen to it 12 more times or whatever, like when we get through this initial list are we just going to uh just do them again just with new life perspectives on them can you imagine well i mean for <laughs> for you for you specifically because i know that you know 80 percent of the good written songs that we've gone through and will go through you've never really heard or even True. like process pop properly before yeah it might be a funny project i don't know maybe we keep patreon going who knows uh, <laughs> yeah, you know what? Fair enough. But like, yeah, not all the songs. Maybe just uh, I don't know. The ones in that really event. stick out. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Once I start listening to the albums in full and really being like, oh, this hits different. Oh, uh, maybe. Well, question mark. Sure. <laughs> yeah. For me, I'm not sure and would love to hear from actual musicians that listen to us, but I think that from beats per minute perspective undefeated is the fastest song good riddance ever recorded like maybe fire engine red or overcoming learned behavior but undefeated is so fucking urgent sounding yeah like there's no counting in just the whole band fucking tears into you like you're saying your fucking ear got pierced right away uh your eardrum rather (laughs) if you just got like a sick fucking like heart stud yeah, the, listening to this song. The, the, the holes from previous large piercings just reopened and like, whoa. <laughs> oh, I have a new earring. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's no counting in, just the whole band tearing into you. There's a quick pick slide into that riff and a quick drum roll and then the verse. And we aren't even 20 seconds into the song and it's already knocked the fucking wind out of you. You know, uh, the recording of the song, this EP, as I mentioned when we talked about Calendar, it's recorded in a way that makes uh, like everything sound louder and live or like it sounds like it's live off the floor, but it's definitely sounds more live than Operation Phoenix or Symptoms of a Leveling Spirit. Yeah. And on a song like Undefeated, that rougher sound really fucking makes this song. 
Undefeated also keeps Good Riddance's consistent, like, last song on a record, kicking ass streak. Uh, on Phenomenon of Craving, there's some variation on speed and tone, but I like the idea that at any point, the last song on a Good Riddance release is an impactful statement of a song. And I think it's worth mentioning again that Dave Ron didn't need to come in this hot. Like, he, he was filling in. He didn't need to do this. <laughs> but he definitely fucking did it. And yeah, this riff at this speed is the best version of this style of punk. Like they're fucking crushing it. You know, like I feel like I don't want to talk shit, but I feel like there are a lot of guys in a lot of bands that sound like this, that probably heard this song and were like, they killed it. (laughs) And like, you know, like, I was going to mention band names. Let's not do that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Lyri- yeah. <laughs> lyrically, <laughs> obviously a song about self-doubt and uh, one's self-worth and also that the idea that when we take time to re-examine who we are or the things that we've done, it's easy to feel like everything we've done has been at best useless and at worst destructive and hurtful. Some of these lines really sting, you know, guilt choked by my last breath and I'd medicate, but there's never enough. No one else to blame, but I'm still caught up in this game. These really convey a hopelessness that, you know, throughout doing this podcast, we've talked about a lot, but with such a furious and ferocious song musically, the darkness of the lyrics truly just fucking drives into you. But Mm -hmm. the most awkward part of doing this song this week, week 45 of doing the podcast, Last Believer, a podcast about good riddance easily is the line and this is maybe the most awkward line we've had to talk about yet is take my tears take all my fucking pain i hope you're entertained yeah yeah and while podcasts didn't exist in the year 2000 zines and radio did and even though there's nothing else in the song undefeated that sort of fits this sentiment maybe with this line Russ is expressing frustration with how much of his life comes out in good riddance and how you know people hear it can just shrug it off as entertainment it's so so heavy mm-hmm. and this reminded me of when Russ was on the show episode 31 question mark i can't remember sure. what episode it was but when Russ was on the show, he made a point of saying that he's very happy now and he feels content that Good Riddance is right-sized in his life. Mm-hmm. And so I think the two fucking dickheads doing a podcast about this band <laughs> yeah, 21 and a half years after this record came out, I don't think that line would necessarily have anything to do with us, but it probably has something to do with us, even if it wasn't sure. intended as such at the time. Sure, and I mean, even if not so much directly, like it could also be interpreted just, you know, uh, especially putting a lot of your uh, pain uh, on the page. It's basically turning your pain into entertainment. Uh, But I I don't know. We're not that entertaining. We're not that entertaining. (laughs) And also, uh, I I don't know how accurate any of our uh, assumptions about Russ's lyrics actually are. So maybe we get around it that way. I don't know. That's fair. I mean, I feel like if we were really wrong and offensive, we would have heard something by now, but... Yeah, he's got, he's got our numbers.
This week, holy shit, Dan, we're talking about A Credit to His Gender, the third song in on A Comprehensive Guide to Modern Rebellion, and I'm going to bring it up a couple times when I talk about it, but remember a few weeks ago I said Lampshade is probably everyone's favorite song from Comprehensive Guide? Credit to His Gender is probably everyone's favorite song from Comprehensive Guide. Mm -hmm. The lineup on this recording is Russ, Luke, Sean, Chuck, guest vocals by Cinder Block. Dan, you knew this one going into it, right? For sure. Uh, like, clearly, this is a classic in the Good Riddance catalog. Um, and I, as I was, like, kind of writing that down, I was being like, oh, really? Or maybe it's just me. But then your intro being like, no, this is probably most people's favorite on this that isn't Steps, I guess. But, uh, yeah. Also, this is the song right after Steps on the record. That's Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, maybe, what? Well, what fucking album goes from Weight of the World, which we haven't talked about yet, but we will, <laughs> right, yeah. into Steps, into Credit for His Gender, into Trophy? Like, fuck all the way off. Yeah, that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty tight. Uh, from from the, like, the scratchy patch core being plugged in uh, into like that menacing bass line into the song just kicking off, this really is like a masterclass in skate punk songwriting. You know, like it's every, you know, it's, I'm not speaking ill on, you know, uh, the production at all because um, it's classic for that time. But I'm wondering at, like what this would have sounded like if Bill would have done it. Mm. You know what I mean? Just because like it just a whole different flavor to it. But anyways, it doesn't matter because uh, this song stuck out from the first time I heard it. And considering I haven't listened to it in like 15 years musically i love it even more than i did then uh and it was always a standout for me uh, at the time um but i love it musically now more than anything and for me what stood out when i was first hearing it clearly is the message behind the song and i can confidently say that hearing this song like 20 plus years ago as like a 14 15 year old other than like that band rusty having a song called misogyny this was probably uh, the first yeah. time that i heard the term misogyny especially used in a proper context um and this was the first time that i was introduced to like the societal concept that is affectionately known dick quotes as slut shaming um yeah so i'm happy that now most people by the time they're 14 15 it's common discussion nowadays you know a lot of this stuff with um, just how you should be treating the common person, you know, and how you should not be shaming people and how we're all equals. And uh, not, not that it's eradicated. It's definitely still problems that we deal with, but at least the, uh, the youths are, are more conscious of it and making efforts. All, on top of all this too, you know, the, again, like masterclass in the songwriting, everything is fucking great. And then I love that they also include fat wreck label mate Cinderblock on the track, as you mentioned. Mm. And I think having her voice and perspective uh, included in this topic is crucial. Like her snotty vibrato voice fits this track so well. She's and just the best. Yeah. And I will honestly say I'm not the biggest Tilt fan. 
Um, but in this song, out, she dude. touches it. Well, it's it's not even that I'm missing out as much as it just didn't click with me. Yeah. But um, I'll revisit it for sure because especially with this song, like it's mm. you know, and I think it I think it was really important to include a female perspective in this. And I say that like not to alienate or discount non-binary folks, right? I'm just, especially mm-hmm. the time in 96, you know, it's yep. very important yep. to to include that in there. I feel that not enough bands kind of do this to really show that they are actually inclusive, you know, mm-hmm. like seven seconds did before with, you know, mm-hmm. not just boys fun, good, clean fun, uh, had their song too, with a song for the ladies that are just like, yeah, just showing everyone and it's not just boys fun and that people do give a fuck and will have your back and they can be allies in the scene even though sometimes even like even like earlier today i saw a clip of angel dust playing with i can't remember her name right now but the uh lead singer of mannequin pussy oh really was on stage with the dudes from angel dust at a show that was very bro heavy sure she came out and just fucking crushed it it was perfect that is awesome yeah, you know what, man? Fuck this song. Yeah, this song's this song's great. It's great, good message, great um, feature. And also, if you do a quick Google or search engine of your choice, or even just jump on YouTube, uh, Fat Wreck actually posted a video of them playing this song like within the last few years. And uh, it's a fun video. Dan, I want to start this segment by saying that having a female or femme voice on this episode would have made a lot of sense. But I also want to say that this song, a credit to his gender, is about, you know, or like an open letter from a dude, guy, male, straight, whatever, to another person with all the same rights and privileges. So so we're not trying to exclude anyone in the analysis of this song, but we're trying to work from like we're taking the same position that this song was written from and we would welcome any feedback or any contribution from anyone about the subject matter in this song that doesn't fit into Dan and I being two, you know, white, straight, 40-ish year old dudes. 100%. I regret not even saying something along the same lines because no, you nailed it. You, yeah, Because it was no, in my head, but I, I didn't say it. Of but course. Yes. And I think that honestly, 45 episodes in, everyone knows. Like, we're sure, sure. We're here. We're listening. We're doing our best to be as representative as possible but we're also talking about, you know, as politically aware as they were, a band that was on Fat Records in the 90s, and it's a lot of 40-year-old white dudes that are into this band. Uh, Got let's it. not Let's <laughs> yeah. not fuck around. Yeah, yeah. We know who we're talking to. We know who we are. That said, any femme or female that is listening to this show, if you want to weigh in on this, fucking call us, dude. We'll record a Patreon with you. It'll be sick. Before, before you jump right into that, that's actually yeah, a yeah. really good idea as a uh, call to arms. If you we did do, a Yeah, we did yeah. a heresy, hypocrisy and revenge Patreon. Let's do a credit to his gender Patreon. Yes, yes. Shout out to all our um, female, female identifying femme. Uh, you know what? Anyone. Any, you you want to have a hot take on this? And if you're not a cis white male, then, uh, you know, get in touch and maybe we can coordinate and do, uh, yeah, do a little... You know what I'm trying to say? A little compilation. Pack of listener interviews. Stuff. It'll be sick. There we go. It'll yes. be sick. We'll get some some outside perspectives of just Dan and I talking about this song. Yes. With all that said, with all that out of the way, Dan, like you said, fuck this song. 
this song can fuck all the way off. Like <laughs> even now, even now, 25 years in, I find new ways of hearing the song. A credit to his gender might objectively be the best good written song. As I said a minute ago, you know, the, the premise is that one guy is talking to another guy about his shitty attitudes around women and dating and sex. And it even starts out politely, like with the line, how are you feeling? You know, it's like, I'm approaching this as like, we're, we're pals. Like, how are you right, right. And by starting that way, you're humanizing the person that you're addressing. So it isn't just shouting at some stranger. It sets the tone that, you know, like you're an equal. Hey, man, let's have a talk. And from there, this guy is asked to tr- asked to truly think about his ideas and actions. You know, does your repression only serve the greater lie? You know, or as you deflower, you empower the false ego trapped inside. And then he's asked who these attitudes are influenced by with the line about endearing yourself to those you hold in high esteem. By the time Cinder Block shows up, the song has gotten more harsh and direct lyrically. Mm -hmm. She could never be that shallow. Fuck off. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, the notch on your belt where it's now this guy is just being called a straight up piece of shit. Uh, Mm -hmm. for and like and for good reason for reducing a whole person with a life and emotions to an object to be collected by exposing their most intimate vulnerable moments and Cinderblock, for anyone listening that doesn't know at this time she was the vocalist in a band called tilt uh tilt has a song on the first and second fat records compilations Um, But then she ran one of the most impressive merch companies I know of. Like she was doing Mm -hmm. merch for Green Day and Andrew WK Mm -hmm. and like everybody. And right now she's the vocalist in a killer band called The Pathogens, who sound not unlike Tilt. uh, But she definitely (laughs) leans more on her aggressive side of things as far as vocalizations in Pathogens. Go listen to Pathogens. Yeah, go listen to Pathogens. But also... Go listen to the Tilt album, specifically Collect Them All. Uh, on that record, Cinderblock truly gives a masterclass in punk vocals with like the back and forth between melody and uh, aggression and thoughtfulness and also go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. And Tilt and Good Riddance are both from the Bay Area. You know, that did a you know the two of them did a fair amount of touring together so when russ wrote this song and wanted a guest vocalist he knew exactly who to call to get exactly the right performance for sure and you know musically i know i said that lampshade sounded like the composition took a while but credit to his gender is fucking unrelenting uh you know that ominous intro with the guitar sort of plugged in already turned on amp you know uh, it sort of does the same thing as when we talked about uh, All the Joy You've Ever Known. You know, it has the same, like, All the Joy You've Ever Known has the false start. And when you hear that guitar plugging into an already turned on amp, you're already mm-hmm. part of it. And then a chord rings out, the bass and toms, you know, it doesn't sound like any other intro while also still sounding super familiar. Before the vocals start, this beat and strumming pattern are so fucking locked in and punchy 
this part could be played through a few more times and it would still be engaging. Like they only mm-hmm. go through it once, maybe twice. They could do this fucking 16 times and anyone listening would be like, holy shit. Like mm-hmm. it's so fucking in there. And when the vocals do come in, they too are just locked in just as tight. The verse chugs along and then we get the pre-chorus, but instead of the full-on chorus, it goes back to the verse. So it's like it's like teasing and it's creating more tension. Then after the second verse, we finally get the whole chorus with the stops and starts that sounds so tight. And also they tease at what the end of the song might sound like too. And when Cinderblock's voice actually comes in, it sounds like it sounds different, but tonally similar to Russ. And I wonder if there's a take where she sang other parts or how rad would it be if there was a good riddance tribute album that came out and the pathogens covered credit to his gender, where it's just cinder block, except for the lines that she does in this recording. And Russ does the recording, like does the vocals in that cover of his own song. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'd I'd listen to that. Yeah. This is, this is where I go with this song is that I've listened to it so many (laughs) thousands of fucking times that I've imagined so many different ways. And after that chorus though, we get the breakdown or whatever the bridge part. And like, you know, it's easy enough 45 episodes in to an ep- to a podcast about good riddance to mention all the bands that they sort of sound like, or labels they could have fit on or scenes they could have fit into. But this part in this song so effectively pulls together the energy of everything that good riddance is a part of. And this song is already built up while at the same time, creating a new tension, like, that build up and breakdown in the breakdown, it's insane. And at first the stop starts staccato guitar and then the strumming sort of stretches out and then the whole build up to a sing-along that instead of being a dog pile grab for the mic sing-along is instead an emotional reflective, almost like a, like a warning sort of sing-along. I don't know anyone else to be capable of this kind of sing-along where you can feel mm-hmm. so many different emotions at the same time as a sing-along like maybe laura jane grace and against me can do this with a sing-along oh yeah anyway, yeah like maybe and the ending holy shit it just keeps building until it ends with a ba-ba-ba because what the fuck else is this song gonna end <laughs> sure like, sure sure dan fuck this song I don't even know if I like it. I feel like the universe has expelled this energy into my soul. And this is just me reflecting it. This song is fucking stupid. I love it. Yeah. And well, the wild thing is that I didn't mention anything about the top 10 list because this song, uh, as I mentioned, is a masterclass, but I don't know if I, yeah, no. Okay. It gets on there. Everything about this song is fucking great. Like, as I said, it's not my favorite Good Riddance song, but objectively, this is the best Good Riddance song. <laughs> like, yeah, fair. Everything fair. about it is so fucking perfect. Yeah. Also, when I when I did the radio show from, I don't know, two thousand one to two thousand four ish. That seems longer than it actually was, but anyway, <laughs> this, was the, this was the last song that I played when I had license to choose what songs were being played on a major market radio station in the city of Toronto on an Epitaph-sponsored radio show, this was the last song that I played. I wanted this to be the last song. This was the thing I was going on. (laughs) 
song tonight is the song regret from the album my republic the lineup on this song is russ luke sean and chuck dan historically on this podcast yes all the songs from my republic are your favorite how do you feel about regret um the song not regret (laughs) sure sure well yeah we'll we'll get into that (laughs) shortly anyways um i listened to um I had to take this one in a couple times before jotting anything down. Um, I really gave it like undivided attention. Like I'm going to listen to it, not type jot notes down while I, you know, just full on it. And I, part of that though, is because I couldn't put my finger on it because it sounded so familiar and I couldn't figure out what it mm-hmm. was. And then it was really starting to upset me. And then it hit me. What is it? Hear me out. You might get mad. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> so we're uh, i'll give you um uh the two points that it falls between all right mm-hmm. it falls right between some 41 that was produced by greg nori and no warning that was produced by greg nori i disagree with both of these takes but <laughs> have at it and but f- for the record coming from me that is by no means an insult it no, was just no. like, and and of course, I mean, and honestly, Suffer Survive was way better than people gave it credit for. I love Suffer and, Survive, and Some Forty One sold fucking twelve million records. So obviously, yeah. they're both objectively good. And I say just, what you like, will about Greg Norrie, his bands are good too. Uh, I think this song is great, and <laughs> sure, sure. I would love to hear you extrapolate on these ideas. Sure. So basically, I think what it really was is it just sounded like a really overly polished punk song that falls between the pop punk and the hardcore that's overly polished right like it's that's why the the spectrum the ends of the spectrum i was giving was that and i think it falls right between yeah that's pretty much you know how i felt in terms of why it was sounding so familiar it just sounded like a commercial punk song but anyways the arrangement all in all front to back very solid the way that chorus and those harms hit god damn like that's as soon as that chorus it's kicked so in and the, it's the, so, the harmonies, so good the harmonies like behind russ i was like ooh, ooh, that's good the line near the end of the song really struck a chord and i took it very out of context for this song <laughs> as i mentioned we'll get into the regret thing um you know there's the, like that little couplet near the end of being like in another time and place will we regret the time we spent Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking of like people who I used to be close with that I have since disassociated with and uh, not even just like romantic relationships. Right. But just giving certain people benefit of the doubt and being their friend only for them to show true colors or just dumb shit that I did that I, I cringe at if I think about it and don't worry, nothing problematic when I say dumb shit. I mean, like just dumb shit, you know, like yeah. dumb. Yeah. Like it's just, you know, I, why did, why I agree did I act wholeheartedly? Like I'm embarrassed by everything that I did until a week ago. And sure. I, I, I'm fully with you. It's like people ask me to think about stuff I did 10 years ago. I'm like, oh, 
Yeah. That guy sucked. Like that yeah. guy was the worst. And uh, so I understand the idea of regret, but also doing those things builds you into the person you are because you oh, 100%. to reevaluate the dumb shit that you did. Whether when it was growing harmful. From it. Yeah. Whether it was harmful or specifically harmful or just literally like consequence-free dumb shit like you hope that with every day that goes by you recognize how much better of a person you're capable of being 100 and i i mean you know not to pat one another on the back at all but i mean i think we've both definitely grown as people and are I very so. you know Jesus yeah Christ, but I even just so. speaking now anyway we, we yeah. digress we digress yeah. yes uh, yes and then as as a flip side to that too i also started thinking of the time that i spent listening to and loving jams that are burned into my memory forever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then you find out that the artists are terrible fucking people and that's, uh, that's you know there's I know. And specifically like, will I regret the time that we spent? I'm like, fuck man. I listened to a whole lot of, I'm not going to say it, but <laughs> I was going to, but I was like, yeah, uh, so-and-so. And then it's like, fuck, like these songs are like forever embedded in my brain. And yeah, I don't know. Like it's very weird because this song took me on a path that I truly did not like, right. Like thinking about all these cringe things and mm-hmm. whatever. And it's a very solid song. And it really had the wrong impact on me personally. Right. But it's not even what the song's fucking about. Nope. <laughs> on that. But, uh, but to that point, though, even if it's not the intention uh, or the topic of, you know, Russ's song, you really do got to love and appreciate how art can really fuck you up, both positively and neg- negatively sometimes. It's got to go at you. Otherwise, it doesn't count. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's kind of how I felt about it. It brought me to this weird, like commercial polished punk place to being like, oh, so much fucking weird shit. Yeah. This as the first song on side two gives some like everything turns gray energy. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Some Agent Orange. I I think it's pretty rad that in 2006, when My Republic came out, the Good Riddance could write a song like Regret that had some obvious nods to agent orange or di you know musically and they did it and it just kind of came out and it was like okay yeah this is the thing we're doing cool uh the internet at this point wasn't fully streaming so every song that had ever been recorded wasn't so obvious so the influence of this eerie like surf punk from 1985 not might not have been apparent to everybody Mm -hmm. right away after the intro there's that cool riff that leads into the verse and then the vocals here are almost spat out instead of strung together in a particular melodic way which is juxtaposed so well when in the chorus there are some oohs and ahs we've all read the liner notes to bad religion albums oohs and ahs under a vocal that is not only sung but layered to sound that much bigger like you were saying the the harms underneath mm-hmm. everything Uh, And then back into the verse part where at the end of each bar, Sean and Luke are playing off each other. Like they're playing off each other's leads and accents, which are subtle enough, but also noticeably keep the pace of the song going. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, or again, what any other band would make into a bridge, 
but because we've talked about this a bunch on this podcast where the bridge and a good written song ends up being the end, the disparate sounds and moods from the verses and the choruses sort of meld together so that we have a punchy parts backed up by the oohs and ahs and the guitar part sort of stretched out where the thing swells to a close. This song is fucking good. Lyrically, I know we did the song that is adapted by Bukowski poem earlier. Oh, and right. We, and we haven't gotten to the song where Russ name checks James Joyce, but regret is a big flex for Russ from a poetic standpoint. These lyrics could be about any one thing, obviously inspired by a set of specific events or a specific relationship, but it could be about longing for a former version of yourself you know mm-hmm. a self that was more hopeful or individualistic and when the author went searching they were disappointed or at least surprised to find with whatever it was they ended up finding i love that in the first line he says everything that isn't from this time and place just fades away and by the end of the song regret He brings back the line saying, will my heroes find me in another time and place? So he shifted perspective Mm -hmm. to maybe avoid further regrets. Also, two songs this week with the word reverie in it. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. (laughs) Two songs with reverie. Come on. Uh, I just wanted to point out that every time you said oohs and ahs, I got, please play the song on the radio stuck in my head. Did anyone message us with any questions this week, Dan? Okay, so we did get an interesting question. I will pitch this to you, though. As we have both been uh, taking part in libations, do we want to maybe not touch that question because it could turn into a shit talk fest? Or did you want to get into it? Well, look, our podcast, 45 episodes in, has a very devout set of listeners Mm -hmm. but it isn't particularly voluminous so i'm happy to talk shit on whoever sure okay all right we'll see we'll see if it ends up on the cutting room floor Uh, yeah we'll see what happens we had an interesting question from our dear loyal listener webley here is the podcast question are you ready? Born ready. <laughs> okay. What other bands have a sound that can't be tied down to their assigned genre slash label? Good riddance, Avail, and Propaganda come to mind. Bracket is one band that got grouped as punk, but they're really more of an indie rock band. Hot take, sure. Um, anyways, uh, Boy Sets Fire got caught into Screamo Emo, um, but they were so much more. I'm not going to argue that. That's pretty. Uh, da, da, da. So no one knew how to market old 97s. And then the next line is, why are the dead milkman punk? Okay. In order. I never liked Bracket. I think they're boring. <sighs> Even the comp songs were the ones I would skip over. What was the one right after Bracket? Uh, well, she had also mentioned, or they, sorry, they had also mentioned uh, Boy Sets Fire getting caught up oh, in the yeah, Screamo Boy Emo. Sets Fire. But there sure. were much more than that. Yeah, Boy Sets Fire deserved more than what they got. Uh, for the amount of attention that uh, fucking the Deftones, like in my brain, Boy Sets Fire should have been the Deftones because the Deftones were like 
a little more balanced out, a little evened out. They had that quicksand. Is it quicksand or shelter? One of those. A little bit of both, actually, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So it's both. Yeah. Um, But like Boy Says Fire were writing better songs than most of the bands that they got lumped in with. What I like most about Boy Says Fire is that they covered Motley Crue, which was sick. But And then the Dead Milkman part. Oh, sure. But for before for the boy sets fire thing, um, yeah. I don't think they were unfairly lumped into the emo. Uh, oh, no, they like as much as we talk on this podcast about how ballots from the revolution was like pop punk song, hardcore song, pop punk song, hardcore song. And I feel like boy sets fire got lumped into like emo song, hardcore song, emo song, hardcore song. Sure, sure, and sure. I think they did the same thing on those records, but they weren't. I don't know, in a position or in a mindset to have Bill Stevenson work with them to sort of try to help even that out. Mm -hmm. Uh, That said, Boy Says Fire hardcore songs are fucking great. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of my favorite Boy Says Fire memories from seeing them younger uh, was I went to their merch table and uh, they had a lighter that said Boy Says Fire. And I was like, I'd be stupid not to buy this. That's amazing merch concept. That's so It's pretty smart. It's pretty smart. It's so good. That's so good. Uh, Why Uh, are the dead milkman punk? You're exactly right. Why are the dead milkman punk? Because at some point, punk became very codified as to this is what you need to sound like to be punk. You need to sound like the saints. You need to sound like the damned, whatever. Uh, sure. Or And then obviously it evolves. And then it's like, oh, to be a hardcore band, you need to sound like youth of today. You need to sound like whatever. <sighs> yeah. The dead milkman are punk as fuck because like they don't sound like anybody while also sounding like everybody. And they're like unashamed of like, yeah, man, we like the band. We like the Beach Boys. We also like the dead Kennedys. And I think the idea of just like the not giving a fuck of it is why the dead milkman get called punk. Like bitch and Camaro barely sounds like a Jonathan Richmond or like New York doll song, but it is definitely punk and punk always is like, yeah, trying to put it into words is impossible, but you know it when you hear it. But I mean, like big lizard in my backyard is a hardcore punk record. Yeah. Oh, certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, but like, there are definitely moments in the Dead Milkman discography that are like, yeah, this is just kind of a shitty REM song. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, even when you get to Metaphysical Graffiti, just because I love that record. Um, but yeah. Also, that, that, based on the album they've been title around for alone, forever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, the Dead Milkman are punk because they're just fucking so DIY that there's nothing that comes close to it. And if they were bizarre right-wing fucking fascist losers, then no, definitely not punk. But because they're such artsy weirdos, like they're definitely punk. They're like punk like Lydia Lunch is punk. Sure. You know, I just I just looked it up. They formed in 1979. And being artsy weirdos, that makes them punk the same way that Blondie is punk and the same way that Devo is punk. Yeah, for sure. That. There we go. And so for that, I will say Dead Milk Band, definitely punk. Writing a song called Punk Rock Girl is very not punk, I no. think, but that song does kick my fucking dick off. I mean, the queers have a song called Punk Rock Girls too, though. Yeah, we aren't going to talk about the queers. No, we're not. <laughs> we can even just beep that out if you want to. Um, <laughs> the thing I wanted to add for bands that don't sound like other bands on their label. Mm. Um, Hopeless Records and Dillinger 4. 
Yeah. 100%. None of the none of the other punk bands were like that yeah. grimy Midwest. The thing is, is like Dillinger Four are amazing. Well, the same as Avail is amazing, and they were on Lookout. But I would say Dillinger Four on Hopeless is the first one that comes to mind, and the second yeah. one that came to mind that just escaped me. Fuck. Oh, saves the day on Equal Vision. That first like poppy punk record. Yeah, the first two records was on Equal Vision okay now i have to look this up in case i'm wrong no no that sounds right but also like i had forgotten well i mean and the same could be said for the movie life being on rev but i mean rev definitely did uh did see for go some more... reason movie life on rev makes sense because they're basically hardcore kids right well i mean saves the day too but i mean i don't know i remember their music was more so hardcore. mad when i saw the newfound glory record that my friends over you was on and saw that uh the singer from Bane did backing vocals on one Aaron. of the songs. Yeah. And I, and I fully was like, the guy from Bane is on a newfound glory album. They must be down. Like, <laughs> well, and then had, you find it, like then you find moment, out about the members for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Had like a moment of like, Oh, they're in. Okay. Can't slow down was on equal vision. Yeah. And I just pulled up through being cool, which I think is also on equal vision, but let me make sense or make sense. Make sure. Also on equal vision. Yeah. The first two records were on equal vision. Then they went over to vagrant. Which obviously makes more sense. Dan, what songs are we doing next week? Let's stop talking about other bands on other labels. What? I don't, man, I don't know. I have fun. Songs are we doing next week? (laughs) All right. Where is the bag? Fun fact. This (laughs) through being cool eventually sold 50,000 copies and alternative press named it one of the 10 most influential albums of 1999. Yeah, man. I remember reading that article in alternative press where it was Dan Yeeman actually talking about it. He was like, yeah, man, I remember hearing about this band that sounded exactly like my band. So I had to stick with them. Okay. The first one. Is it Saccharine? Disputatio? No. Saccharine. Oh. Saccharine. Oh, Saccharine. Okay. From Bound by Ties of Blood and Affection. Great. Uh, all right. And from the Loaded for Bear tape, okay. we have Not Too Late. Okay. That sounds like it'll be a fun one. It sounded sarcastic, but I was being serious. Man, those demo songs are really hit and miss. Yeah as demos can be uh yeah. from operation phoenix we have letters home jesus christ man we're gonna crush operation phoenix sooner than later and the funny thing is that a past guest also put their name in the hat for that one i don't know if we want to bring them back but uh whatever they're always a we'll fun see how time. it goes we'll see how it goes amazing so next week we'll be back three more songs by good riddance dan thank you for coming to hang out Good riddance. Thank you for letting us continue to do this. Fat Records, thank you for continuing to let us do this. If you need to find us, we're at Last Believer Pod. Dan, are we cross-platform? We are cross-platform on Instagram at Last Believer Pod. Um, also, patreon.com slash lastbelieverpod and lastbelieverpod at gmail.com. We will see you all next week. 
before yes but before that happens i just want to reiterate use that email address reach out to us if um you have some hot takes about uh a credit to his gender and specifically uh, yeah well specifically that yeah just kind of what we were talking about earlier um that would be very cool and fun and yeah.